All right, you got your Bibles, right? Second Peter. Second Peter chapter one. You're going to need it tonight because I've got no screen. So if you didn't bring your Bible, you're going to have to lean over on your neighbor and watch it from there. See, this was probably the Lord reminding someone to bring your Bible. That's what he was doing right now. Second Peter chapter one. Last time we were together, we only got through half the first verse. We'll probably be here till 2013, I would assume. All right. I just want to remind you, though, uh, this is this is called now deeper streams. We're just going to we're just going to do some some hardcore digging in the scripture. And we told you last time that that the theme of this this second letter from Peter was really the theme of of him saying, beware, there were some things that were going to be happening that you need to beware. So he's throwing out and we'll get there some cautions to the people of God that will be very relevant to today. It's amazing how some things never change. And so he says, beware, but even as you beware and are on your toes and are being cautious, you also are going to still have to grow. And, and, and it's interesting that the backdrop of Second Peter, of course, is that Christians, as he's writing to them, have been scattered all through Asia. Persecution scatters Christians. Can I just share, share this with you? If we don't do missionary work, God will send persecution to scatter us and he'll get his mission work done. Because that's exactly what happened. They really were having a hard time getting out of Jerusalem. You know, they just kind of landed there and God sent persecution and he began to scatter the church all over Asia. And, uh, and through that, it didn't discourage or it didn't stop Christianity. It actually spread the word of God. And, uh, and, and, and with that, though, came uh, false teachers. They arose. Peter will later tell us. False teachers will rise up. These false teachers will bring with them destructive doctrine. And, and as you hear the doctrine they bring, you're going to say to yourself, I've heard that recently. Some things never change. And then finally, uh, he warns them, of course, of apostasy and that, that there are going to be those that will even fall away. And so those will be interesting concepts to deal with when we get there. Now let's get to 2 Peter 1. I'm just going to read through this again, these first four verses, and let's walk through it. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we've been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So let's walk on just a little bit here. We uh, talked a little bit about a hostile environment. And by the way, most of the Gospels were written in a hostile environment. That's why it's so practical. In fact, Sunday when we deal with Daniel, we're going to talk about how Daniel dealt with some things in a hostile environment. That's where, that's where it counts. Christianity and your, your relationship with God really counts when you're in a hostile environment. That's when God can do things. I found personally, for me, that in, in good times, in favored times, as, as wonderful as they are and as much as we like them and as much as we need them, you don't really learn much. 
I'll tell you when you learn things. It's when the heat's on. Boy, that's when, that's when the lessons, you, you either find out what you know or what you don't know. Is when the heat gets turned on. So don't despise the heat. Don't despise hostility. Granted, it's easier when it's a peaceful environment, but that's where God can do some of his greatest things. So they're in a hostile environment, and he says to them, as we just finish up verse 1, he says, to those who have obtained a like precious faith uh, with us by the righteousness of our God in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Obtain, obtained. That word is a great word, obtained. Like precious faith, obtained. You know, the word obtained, I was looking it up. If I told you the Greek word, you wouldn't know it anyway, so it doesn't really matter if I say it. But it's interesting that God used a language that's so much more vivid than our English language. If, if I were to say to you a simple sentence like, uh, Jimmy is going to the store. If I just use a simple sentence like that, there's several things that you would know, you know he's headed a direction. But what you, did, what you wouldn't know in that sentence is, did Brenda send him there? Because maybe Brenda said, Jimmy, I need you to go to the store. And so you were literally kind of sent. Maybe, and maybe you didn't want to go to the store. But Brenda looked at you and said, Jimmy, go to the store. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean we don't, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So you don't know what's all going on behind the going to, right? You don't know if just Jimmy was sitting in his chair one day and says, I want a box of milk duds. I'm going to the store. And so he gets up to go get his box of milk duds and goes to the store. You have no idea. You have no idea. Now, if the, maybe if the paragraph continued, it would tell you. But in that, you really don't know. Now, what's interesting in the original language is it's, it's, it has different uh, voices. They call it voice. It can be a passive voice or it can be an active voice. And, and when the verb is put into either a passive voice or an active voice, it tells you things. If it's an active voice, it tells you that the verb is doing this on its own. If it's a passive voice, it means something's acting on the verb to make it do what it's doing. But there's an interesting thing. There's this thing called a middle voice. Now, I realize you're all sitting here going, ah, what is this? I just, you know, he's going to the store. That's all I did. Doesn't matter. He's just going to the store. Well, maybe that doesn't matter. But if you've obtained like and precious faith, it may matter how that came to you. It may. How did you obtain that? active did you just choose it on your own passive did someone just shove it down your throat or is it in this middle voice which means that there's sort of both and happening here and that's really really important it means this and this is why i love reading the bible because you can just sit on a word and spend 30 minutes on it obtained because you have obtained like and precious faith what, what peter's literally saying is this he's saying God, God gave you faith, but you also had to act in that faith. That's really, really important because you see, it's just, you, you can never come to God and say this, God, just lay it on me. And if you want me to have it, just drop it on me. I've heard people do this with even spiritual gifts. They'll say, if God wants me to have it, he'll just drop it on me. Well, yeah, he will give it to you, but it's almost like, you, you think he's just going to grab you and get you in a headlock and just. I don't know about you, but I never got spiritual things that way. God gave me things, but I had to I had to respond or receive those things. As many as received him to them, he gave the right to be the children of God. Now, 
There's, see, there's two things going on here. So he gives, you must receive. And when you receive, receiving isn't just, okay, I, okay, I accept it. It's, reception is always, if I, if, I, if I embrace it, then it's happened and I obviously act on that thing as well. But let me, let me go back to the God part of the equation. Obtained, like in precious faith. You did not choose on your own when you were saved i'm gonna i'm gonna dispel a notion here some people have the idea that there was a day that they just chose to get saved or they chose to receive the lord now i understand that you made a decision but but we've got it we've got to clean up a little thing here with precision the bumper sticker that says i found the lord is really not accurate because he wasn't lost. You were. I was. So, so I didn't really find the Lord. He found me. That's exactly right. He found me. He tapped me. He called me. When I was clueless, he reached down to me. When I didn't know what to do, he moved toward me. Can we just humble ourselves for just a moment and just acknowledge we aren't smart enough really to get to God unless God helped us see him. You know people right now in your life whose eyes are so veiled to what is so obvious to you. And you say to yourself, why can't they see this? Why won't they do this? I see so clearly. Why won't they see? Because Ladies and gentlemen, it's because God moves towards us. Now, we may get into other interesting doctrinal discussion here, but but it is important, and it doesn't matter where you land. God is the one who initiates to us. And the reason that's important is because in our dealings with God, we need to understand that there's a moment that he reaches out to us, and in that moment he reaches out to us, we very much need to respond at that moment. Jesus himself said, no man can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. You see, you just don't wake up one morning and say, ah, I think I'm going to get saved today. I think today's the day I'm going to get right with God. Now, I know there are people who think that, and usually they think that in terms of this equation. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, and somewhere out there in the future, probably when I get older, when life isn't nearly as fun, they think, I'll get right then. In fact, maybe I'll just wait till 30 days before I die. I'll just wait till they put me in the ICU and, and hook me up and I know I'm, I'm, I'm there and I only got a few breaths left and God is merciful, not willing that any should perish and I'll just wait and I'll make my decision right then. That way I can live my life any way I want to live it and enjoy life. And then I'll get right with God somewhere out there after. And, and I know that's how it works in people's minds. Some will say at that distance, some who are younger may think, oh, next year, oh, when I get here, when I get there, time out. You do not choose that time. God taps you. And this is really important. And I, and I think to some extent, it's probably why uh, we don't see as many conversions today as we maybe did in times past because, because our doctrine has, has gone awry. We, we, we have developed this, 
this synergistic doctrine which basically looks at people and basically says, hey, you know, you need to get right with God today. Let's get right with God. Come on, your life's a wreck. Let's do it. And, 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 the, and they'll agree. They'll agree their life's a wreck and something needs to change. And they come up here, and you've heard me say this before. There's no tears. There's no godly sorrow. There's no repentance. It's just, well, I've tried everything else, you know. This doesn't work. I'll try a protein shake. I mean, I'll try, you know, I'll try anything. Listen, you, you don't try Jesus. Trying Jesus. He's not, he's, not, he's not calling those to try. He's calling those who will be transformed. And this is the part that's kind of the scary part. And that is that there may be a moment that God quits reaching. You say, ah, you think that? Kevin, yeah, I do think that. You say, well, why do you think that? Because the Bible tells me that you, can, that you can resist grace. The Bible tells me that you can quench the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells me that a person can enter into a place called reprobation, which the mind becomes so seared that they can no longer respond to truth. So it doesn't matter how much truth you speak to them, there's something that isn't registering. You know, whether it's Wesley or Calvin, both of them said that there's a grace in the earth there is a grace in the earth that, that, that draws all men in some ways to a sense of God-fearingness. Calvin called it common grace. Wesley called it prevenient grace. You understand, you have to have grace. I'm just, Levy, if you sit on the front row, I'm going to use you for an illustration. Okay. But you know, when, 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 when God reached out to you, there was grace coming your way. And then one day you said, man, I need the Lord in my life. And what happened in Libby's or anyone's life in this room is you said, man, I need, I need Jesus. And you responded. And at that moment, I know what happens in a human being. They say, I need to make a decision. I need to make a choice. And indeed you did. But what you didn't realize what was going on was God's grace was sitting there going, come on, come on. Now, now you've got to, re- but here's the, the two ends. Remember, God gives faith. But you've got to respond and receive. And, and this is a very important thing. That's why Peter could say, he could say that we together have obtained like faith. Now, <clears throat> Michael, you and I aren't going to agree on every topic. We could throw a topic out here from the Bible and you and I, you know, we could banner it around and, and, and we'd probably find some scriptures that would support our points. And, and, and truth of the matter is, we may be still brothers when it's all said. And then we may not exactly agree on how that one shakes out, but we probably have a scriptural reason. Now, we're not, we're not talking about, about a, a, a difference like that. But we're talking about like faith foundationally, which is this. That you and I understand that, that Jesus is the only way. He is the sacrifice given once for all for all Sin, that's like faith. Like faith is when we look at the Word of God and we say, this is God's voice. And there may be some things that you and I aren't exactly going to land exactly the same and, 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 and we're all learning it together and we see through a glass darkly. But like faith means that there's something inside of us that's similar. It's similar. And, and I say that to you, it, it's, it's just I want to put this out there, is that when... When you're under the gun, when you're under Neronian persecution, when you're dying in Colosseums, when despicable things are happening to you, can I just tell you, that will ferret out the false. 
you will find very quickly who's got the goods and who doesn't. You'll find out who's, who's Sunday morning Christians in the catacombs. <laughs> that was a joke, folks. I'm sorry. That was not... And who's, you know, who's really in this thing? That's what the heat does. That's what God will do on occasion. And then, and, and because of that, you begin to see, well, wow, they're of like faith. They're standing. They're standing for their faith. They're standing for the things they believe in. There's, there's some, they don't compromise. There's no capitulation. He says it's like you've obtained like, it says here, precious faith. In fact, he'll use that word over and over again. Like and, and precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. And uh, this thing, he says, is precious. This isn't something to, you know, to just, just skim over. This is precious, like faith, uh, a consistency with believers. I believe that to be the case. And, and you know those that are of like faith. Um, and then he goes on to say, I'm moving. Verse 2, everybody say, hallelujah, we're in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Grace and peace be multiplied to you to you in the knowledge of god and of jesus our lord grace you may want to write this down if you if you don't automatically know what grace is people get grace and mercy mixed up grace is unmerited favor unmerited favor it also means divine empowerment mercy Let me define this. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. We all deserve hell, but we're not going to get it because we know Jesus. That's mercy. So we're not getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Are you following me? So grace is unmerited favor, divine empowerment, And peace, I wrote down here, is the natural result of God's favor. That's what happens when when God's favor comes. Peace comes as well, when you understand God's favor. And he says, this all happens, grace and peace is multiplied to you when you come into greater knowledge uh, of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. All right? Verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now we're going to stop here for just a minute. His divine power. His divine power. It's dunamis. It's the same exact word that they used on the day of Pentecost with the Holy Spirit. His divine power. His explosive Holy Spirit power. He says, as his divine power has given to us all things. And what does all things mean? All things, yeah. That pertain, he says, to life. All things to life. And godliness. So there ought to be a divine difference if you say you're filled with God's power. Now, I'm going to say this uh, gently and uh, sensitively, but, but this is something I believe, so it, I'll do it as gently as possible. I, I, I believe that there are numerous groups and people that are saved and they love God. I'm not questioning their love of God. I'm not questioning even their salvation. But, but here's what I'm going to say to you. That a spirit-filled life should make a difference. Really. I mean, if we say we're filled with the spirit, it should make a difference in our life. It says that all things pertaining to life and godliness come because of this explosive 
experiential thing in our life. I wrote down here, the Greek word for life is zoe. It's not bios, which is where we get our word biology from. So in other words, it's, it's not only the fact that, that you know, God helps us maybe in a, in a biological sense, but, but zoe means God-type life, total well-being, uh, spiritually as well as naturally. His resurrection power in your life produces a, a, a divine a divine distinguishing in your life. There ought to be a difference in, in a Christian's life. There ought to be a difference in their joy. There ought to be a difference in their peace. There ought to be a difference in their mouth. There ought to be a difference in their walk. There ought to be a difference in their choices. There ought to be a difference in every aspect of their life. So, it's, so the bumper sticker, we're not perfect, just forgiven, isn't right. There's a difference that takes place. It's, yes, I'm forgiven, but there's more than forgiveness. I'm grateful for being forgiven. But because of His divine power, I have all things that pertain to life and godliness. And it's interesting, godliness is, is where we get the word uh, piety from. Everything you need to walk before the Lord in a way that's pleasing, His divine power enables you to do that. So you can never say as you read the word and you read something and you say to yourself, well, either that's not possible or I can't do that. The minute you say I can't do that, you know you're already lying against his word because what does his word say in Philippians 4.13? Well, yeah, see, so the minute you say I can't, Leslie, it just, you just lied. I'm not saying you a liar or anything. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we all done it, haven't we? I can't do that. Yes, you can. Why, you know how you can? Because divine power has been given to you. You say, really? I don't know that it's been given to me. Then let's go back and ask yourself, then have you obtained like and precious faith? It says we have, doesn't it? So you, gotta, you either believe what you feel or you believe what he says. You have everything you need to prevail in all of these areas through the knowledge of him who called us by glory uh, and by virtue. In fact, the word virtue, uh, some people even translate power. So we've been, we've been called by his glory and, and, and his power. And it says in verse 4, by which we have been given to us exceedingly. I love that word. Exceedingly. Not just great and precious promises. Exceedingly great. It's just like, uh, what did it say when Paul wrote in Ephesians? He said that, that God can do not just abundantly above all that you could ask or think, but exceedingly. I don't know exactly, you know, I've never studied the word exceedingly, but you know what, I think it means that it's more than what you think can fit in the jar. It exceeds it. It's beyond it. Exceedingly great and precious promises. In fact, I think when it comes to great and precious promises, promises fit into two categories. I just scratched out here real quick. I think they fit into two categories. There are promises that you already have by virtue of your relationship with the Lord, and I believe that there are promises that have yet to be received. Exceedingly great and precious promises. Okay, we've been told in the Scriptures that there are certain things that we know are ours. Come on, just throw some out. What do we know today? What do we know today as a promise of God that is ours? I, want, I, want, I, want, I don't want you just listening. I'm going to 
We'll do a little interaction. What does he say is a promise that's good today because you're one of his? Eternal life. Yeah, that's a big one. Salvation, I'm sorry. Healing is in there. Some prosperity, health, wisdom, joy. Yeah, his faithfulness to us. Provision. Come on, stir, you need to stir your mind. That's what he'll, I'm going to stir your mind under remembrance, those things he'll later say, as that was spoken by the apostles and the prophets. Every now and then, we need our minds stirred again as to what these great and precious promises are. And they are yours. Why? Because, because you're cute? Why? Because you went, you know, you were here on Wednesday night and not everybody was here, so that makes you better on the brownie point scoreboard in the halls of heaven? No, I'm glad you're here on Wednesday night, but it doesn't get you any brownie points. What happens is, is that you've, you've, you've embraced this because of your life you found in Christ. Uh, a few of the others, forgiveness of sin. We've kind of said these, the assurance of God's care and strength. Yeah, relationship, care, um, deliverance, amen, that we can be delivered from those things. Let me ask you this question. What are some promises that may be yet to be received? Okay, some, some eternal life. I'm going to have a new body, praise God. That this corrupt body, which is deteriorating here, is going to be exchanged for a glorious one with hair. Seeing him face to face, the new heavens and the new earth. No sadness, no tears. All the inheritance, in fact, if you want to go back to the first letter he wrote, in that first chapter, he gives a list of what he says, and in the, your inheritance, uh, incorruptible, undefiled, and that the old King James Version is what I memorized it in, that fadeth not away. All knowledge, all of these things. So, we've been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. That's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. That through these you may become partakers of the divine nature. I, uh, I, uh, I think that there's a, um, um, I don't know if it's confusion or a challenge or wrestling match that exists over which is more powerful in our life. The nature of sin. <clears throat> and I know what you'll immediately say because or, or, or the nature, the nature of God and the power of the cross. You understand there are some people who teach that sin is so powerful that you're going to sin every day. In word, thought and deed all the time. Sin is so powerful that you can't go through a day without sinning. Now, that's going to be a really challenging thought right there because you're, I just send you to first John. And go read through First John, and all of a sudden you're going to find yourself crashing because he he therefore gives you things uh, by way of exhortation that are absolutely impossible if that if that is what you believe. Some people believe that the massiveness and the corruption of sin is so great that it's totally un- inescapable that we have become so corrupted by it that we are forever tainted by it. And unfortunately, what happens is is that even though I would agree. That as human beings, sinless perfection is not possible 
because we'll always sin in the form of omission because I, I'm not Jesus. In other words, I'll forget things or I won't do something or maybe I'll miss a divine moment. And, and so I, I fully acknowledge that there will be moments I and all of us will miss the mark of what we probably should have or could have done. But that's a far cry from willfully transgressing what the Hebrew writer said was a known law of God. So I will live with the tension of understanding that as a human being there are times that I'm not going to live up to the, to the things because I'm exhausted. Maybe, maybe you know, I... I, I've, you know, all day long, well, guys, we're riding in traffic and it's busy on the road and people are driving in the left lane and we're trying to pass in the rain. And you're sitting there and you're, and you're blessing folks with good driving habits. Oh God, help them with their driving. Help them. Help them see, help them see me as I flash my lights to get them in the other lane. And you're just, you're, you get angry, you get upset, you go home. You've been on edge even as you drove home. You know, the dog did something and it just aggravates you. And and then you take it out on a kid and and is, is that sin? Yeah, you missed the mark probably. But that's a far cry. From, from willfully knowing that today I'm going to violate God's precept. And you know what? I'm a sinner saved by grace. So therefore, it's okay because it's all under the blood. In fact, I'm scheduling my next sin for this weekend. In fact, I've already decided that Friday night I'm going to schedule my sin down at Joe's Happy Bar. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get drunk. But we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. You know, that's the only verse some people have memorized. And it's the only one a lot of people live up to. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, yeah, we all have sinned, not all we all do sin. Now, I tell you all of that simply to tell you this, is that I came to the conclusion that God has given us a victorious gospel. I believe it is victorious over sickness and disease i don't understand why everyone doesn't get healed jim i i I don't understand all of what happened to you happened god has purposes beyond even my understanding of doctrine but i believe he's a healing god and he hates sickness i believe he's a prospering god and it's not his will for people now i'm not saying everybody gets a lexus here or everybody gets you know you know, they're Mercedes. But I'm saying, I believe, it's, I believe we can trust God to help us pay our bills and, and, and help us have food on the table and help us get shelter over our heads. And I believe, you know, prosperity in America might be different than prosperity in the Sudan or in Central America. You understand, you know, we probably got a warped idea of prosperity. But I believe that God is interested in that area. I believe that God wants you free from demonic oppression. I don't think he wants you to be the devil's playground. I believe the cross sets people free from this stuff. I I believe in a victorious gospel. I believe that we triumph in all things. We are more than conquerors. and, And so that's why you hear me preach that I don't care what sin it is, 
the cross and the power of God is greater than any sin. Not just to forgive you, but to set you free. See, that's a great and precious promise. Is that you're not left to languish in your heartache and your destruction. You're not left to your own devices just simply yearning for the the day of redemption that's out there when either you die or he comes for you. And that's going to be a great day. But there is a victory today. And I'm here to tell you, when you're in the middle of a hostile environment and you're under the heat and the persecution and you're watching some people stand in their faith and die, other people saying, "Uh uh-uh, I'm out of this thing. You know what, I'll just tell them what they want to hear and then maybe I'll clean it up later with the Lord. And they were dealing with things like that. That's the moment when the gospel, so to speak, the rubber hits the road. Does this thing work or does it not work? Have I become a partaker of the divine nature or have I not? Has God put inside of me a prevailing spirit or am I simply this buoy on the ocean of activity and circumstance and happening that just beats me around and I've got no, I've got no recourse. Let me tell you something. I've got recourse. I've got the grace of God that will empower me. I've got when he is, when I am weak, he is strong. That's what I've got. I've got greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I've got that this, this is what overcomes the world, even your faith. These are the things that I have. And maybe, maybe you've not accessed it, or maybe you've not seen it, or maybe you've not enjoyed it. And I'm not even promoting myself as always, as always being the perfect example of it. I'm just, I'm not declaring, I'm not declaring what we think is earthly reality. I am declaring what God said is His promise. I'm not accessing what is relevant to other people's life. I don't wanna, I don't wanna be relevant with you if you're crashing. I mean, that, that, there's, just, there's just some serious problems in the church today when we want to be so relevant with people that we go out and we get drunk with them and, 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 and we're, you know, we live like they live and, 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 and we speak like they speak and we do like they do and the whole time we think we're, we're being used for the kingdom because we're relating to people and we're relevant and they can identify with me. Well, sure they can identify with you because you ain't living any different than them. I'm telling you what I want to find. I want to find someone that's winning this thing, that's prevailing over this thing, that's overcoming. I want to to find that person. I'll even accept a few less than stellar moments from them, but I I want to pursue victory. That's why this is going to be important. I did get to verse 4 tonight. You following me? Hostile environment, but you can make it. That's what he's saying. Hostile environment. They've been run out of town, run out of their homes, tortured, killed. He says you can make it. Exceedingly great and precious promises. Amen. Stand with me, will you?